Maria Theoharis or Velosos, and you're listening to So Organized Style Podcast. Get ready to listen to today's So Over 50 Thursday. So Organized Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of So Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozso.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Thanks for coming back to Sew Organised Style Podcast. Today's Thursday, so it's over 50 Thursday. Today's guest is very well known and she's agreed to focus on the topic of fitting for a changing body. So let's welcome, I'm really excited, let's welcome Linda Maynard to Sober 50 Thursday. Hi Linda. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you've given us your time today. Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) For Sober 50, when we spoke and planned this podcast, the whole aim of this podcast is to look at fitting for a changing body. Yes. And you're the fitting expert, the person who loves fitting. I love it. It's a passion I have. I really enjoy fitting. Yes. Because it makes people feel so good to wear something that they, if you're comfortable in your clothes and you think you look good, you'll just walk with more confidence and grace. So that's, that's my goal. And In case listeners are not aware of your fitting background, tell our listeners about your fitting expertise. It all started, she has started so long ago. I was teaching pattern drafting classes and doing freelance pattern drafting. I've done so many things and I did dressmaking for a while, but every facet of garment construction requires a good fit. Because otherwise, you can make something and do a beautiful, beautiful job with a lot of wonderful couture finishes, and it hangs in the closet. Why? Because you don't feel good when you put it on. Mm. You might not even know why, but if you look in the mirror, if something is amiss, it could just be a proportion. The Mm. proportions could be wrong. So I think fitting is more important than all the other stuff, really. If you have a well-fitted garment and your sewing skills really aren't up to snuff, I think they'll be less obvious because the fit will be so good. And that's what people will notice is how good you look in the garment. They won't be looking at the garment, at the details as much. That's right. They'll be looking at the overall picture. And you'll be happy. So the overall picture really from a viewer's perspective is that you look great. End of story, really. Yes, you look great. Absolutely. Yes. They're not noticing a chocolate pouch or sloping shoulders or a droopy tush. They're not seeing any of those things because a garment has been fitted to cover up all that stuff. And it works. So for me, I really like to hover over the hors d'oeuvre table at a party. I just love it. I like to eat all those hors d'oeuvres and just circle and circle. And so I have no 
desire to completely get rid of my little pouch that I've developed because I'm not going to give up my bad habit. It's so much fun, but I know how to camouflage it. And so that's good. I'm happy about that. <laughs> that's, that's my example. The listening group that we've got is very global. What's a chocolate pouch? Chocolate pouch is uh, too much of whatever you put in your abdomen that makes it protrude slightly. <laughs> yes, I don't want to give up my chocolate, which is mine. And so I just do the fitting changes to my patterns so that it's not obvious. Great. Thanks for explaining that. I just think <laughs> it's a wonderful description. Where should someone start when it comes to making those changes? How, how do I identify the changes they need to make when it's their body that's changing? One of the very helpful things is always make a muslin test garment. And then when you're looking in the mirror, whether you're taking pictures of yourself, a back view with your uh, eye camera or whatever, uh, don't have your head in the picture. Remove your head because you will be much more objective about the body you're viewing. Mm -hmm. If you have your face attached to, to the picture, you'll just be distracted by that. So just look at the body that's in the picture and you'll be able to notice things. You'll be able to notice irregularities or changes and just make note of them. And then the muslin can be changed to accommodate or to camouflage. And it'll be more comfortable too, because you don't, it's not good to have things that are too tight. Some people think if they just make things tighter, it makes them look thinner. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't at all. It just exacerbates the situation. It brings everybody's eye to the situation if a garment is too tight. So it needs to be gliding gently over the body and flattering. So when it comes to making a muslin, do you recommend that people always use, say, calico as their basis? Yes, I think it's important to use, yes, calico, muslin and calico are synonymous terms, correct? Okay. Okay. And make sure that it's not pre-shrunk. It can't be pre-shrunk. You want it straight off of the bolt because pre-shrinking builds in stretch. Ooh. When I was very young, which was a long time ago, we didn't have lycra in our jeans yet. We just had jeans. And so what we would do was, I'm in my 60s, and as a teenager, what I would do is take the, the jeans out of the dryer when they weren't quite all dry, so they'd still be dry, and then pull them on, and then I'd have to get a butter knife and lay on the bed to put the pocket bags down. I have to slip the butter knife down in the pocket. No way. Yes. So the jeans would be really, really tight because that's important to young people. And then, of course, by the end of the day, they'd be all baggy again. There was no lycra. Anyway, so it's important to not have things that are way too tight, have things that glide over the body. Okay. <laughs> there we go. We learned something about you. <laughs> okay. To make a muslin, it's the fabric that hasn't been pre-shrunk. What's the next step from there? Well, add, make sure that you have one-inch seam allowances on your pattern. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting with something with a half inch or three quarters or five eighths, add enough extra seam allowance that you have a whole inch because that's very important for, we, we'll be able to, we'll have to pull from that if we need excess fabric. Okay. The other thing, the, the main thing, the most important thing, I think, is to impose balance lines on the muslin. So you always want to have a grain line, a vertical grain line from the bottom of the piece to the top, all pieces all around the body. Right. And that is supposed to be perpendicular to the floor. So during the fitting process, the goal is that that grain line will be perpendicular to the floor. Then we will have 
cross grain lines imposed on the garment as well. Okay. And where those lines are imposed depends on whether we're working with a dress, a skirt, a pant, or a jacket. Mm -hmm. But we will have a few cross grain lines. So the goal in fitting is to have the balance lines be either parallel to or perpendicular to the floor. Okay. So the lines have to be imposed on the muslin test garment. And also stay stitch. Any curves where you're not, let's say you have a neckline or an armhole, arm, armhole without sleeves being attached, stay stitch right on the stitching line because we do need to clip right to that stitching line. But we, we need seam allowances there in case we need to build out a little bit. Okay. So inch seam allowances and balance lines. And balance lines. And when you put those lines onto each piece of whatever it is you're making, would you draw them on or would you baste those lines on? Oh, that's a really good question. I teach this in two different colleges. Yep. And invariably, I get students who just draw them on with a Sharpie. And I tell them, I will not grade that. I won't even look at it until you come back with it, with the line stitched on. Because they're not accurate. Sometimes mm -hmm. they'll start a line, and they'll see that they're not accurate, or they went off a little bit. Then they'll put another line on, and it gets to be such a hot mess, I don't know what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. So they have to machine base them on. And you do it flat. You do it flat on the pattern piece before you put anything together. It's pretty simple. You've got to do it on every single pattern piece. Yes, because people have anomalous figures. You might have a high shoulder. You might have a breast that's higher than the other mm -hmm. or a high hip. So it's very important to do it on each pattern piece. Yes. Okay, that's good. So you're getting all the pattern information on each piece of your muslin. Yes. Great. What's the next step? Machine base the garment together. Yeah. And I do have a trick for people who are trying to fit themselves. I will pin a zipper into the center back, or maybe I'll make an opening on the side for the fitting process because I'm alone most of the time when I'm fitting. It's usually late at night. And so I will pin a zipper in, just a regular railroad zipper, you know, the yeah. down and dirty centered application. Yeah. Because then I can actually unzip and zip my muslin test garment to put it on. So that's a really good, a really good trick. And I didn't learn that for a long time. I used to try to pin the thing and it was terrible. <laughs> so you cut it out without pre-shrinking the fabric, impose the grain lines, mm -hmm. stay stitch, any curves, and then put the garment together and put a zipper in, even if it's just pinned in by hand for the fitting. Then look in the mirror and remove your head. Yes. No head. No head in the face. Oh, yeah. Nope. Okay. Otherwise, you'll be distracted by whether you're smiling or not, and that's not the, that's not the point. Well, you know, when you really are looking at your body and you can, you can detach from it, it's rather unsettling. It really is. Hmm. Have you ever seen a picture of yourself? It was a candid shot and you didn't realize you were in the picture. And you, you notice things about your physical appearance that you didn't think were there. Yeah. Well, that's the same type of thing. And so I prefer that those candid shots and be, be more pleasant rather than less pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because they're memories that you keep forever. That's right. <laughs> So then the next step would be with those photos that you take with your phone, would you then, what would you do? Would you mark up or would you do a list of where things do or don't fit well? Oh, no. No? Uh, if I needed to remove excess fabric, I would try to pin it out. Mm. If it's a place where I couldn't, I actually couldn't get there, I would do a pretty reasonable guess then mm. take the garment off and put the pins in and put it back on. But more often than not, it's 
a situation where the garment has to be slashed and spread. So yeah. let's say you need a large bust adjustment and you've got drag lines that are emanating from the side seam up to the apex. Diagonal pulls, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's say you have yep. from the waist diagonally up to the apex. That means you, you have a larger bust than the pattern was wanted to accommodate. So yeah. then what I would do is I would have a balance line about two inches above the apex that's on the cross screen. I would cut horizontally a quarter of an inch above that balance line and allow the garment to lower enough so that the balance lines were then perpendicular to the parallel to the floor. Then I would have a space. I would have a space up there. I would pin an extra fabric. Hmm. Then I would take it off, of course, and do a better job of pinning and put it back on. Then I would go to the pattern and adjust the pattern. Hmm. And when I've done enough of those adjustments, then I would make a new muslin. I won't wear a garment if I don't feel good in it. I just won't. And maybe because I teach fitting, I'm more aware of fit. And I, I can't go into the classroom with something that doesn't fit well. That's terrible. Oh. My students would all leave and say, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. I want my money back. <laughs> so a lot of it is cutting and slashing. And removing is easier. Pinning out is easier. But cutting and slashing... Now, I'll tell you the one thing that's more difficult. A lot of the times, the body, the upper back becomes rounded. And mm -hmm. so many young people are hovered over their computers, their keyboards. Yes. I've seen so many young people who are getting round-shouldered and mm -hmm. rounded upper backs. And I will look, I can look at myself side view, and I can see how far is that cross-grain arcing up from side to side. As it travels from the side over the shoulder blades and to center, it usually arcs up a bit. And of course, the older you get and the more stooped you get, the worse it's going to arc up, the greater the arc is going to be. But at this point, I can cut above that balance line and add in about hmm, three-eighths of an inch of fabric for myself. And then that takes care of it. That Then then all the lines will be parallel to the floor, all the balance, all the, um, the crosswise balance lines. And the upper back is not noticeable. And that's the thing with fitting, is making sure that those curves are not noticeable. Correct. That's exactly right. And sometimes I'll get people with a high hip and with a skirt or a sheath dress, or well, a skirt or a sheath dress particularly, because the center back seam will arc toward the high hip. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And so it's not that they didn't put it on straight. It's just that their hip is too high and it's calling for extra fabric. The one I, you know, there's another one I see a lot. And as we get older, our knees are no longer very attractive. That part of our body isn't attractive. And we get inner knee pads. Also, a lot of the times we have extra flesh in the insides of our thighs. But even if we don't have that, we have inner knee pads. And that can wreak havoc with a pant fit. So imagine somebody with inner knee pads. The gray line can be going starting at the crotch level, can be going down fairly perpendicular to the floor, but then it'll start arcing in at the knee right? and then possibly go back out because the knee is needing extra length that it's not getting because of the rounded flesh, fleshy bits that are in there. So that's another one that I notice on the body. I would have to say rounded upper back, lower breasts. We also get more hollow at the upper part of our arms and shoulder area. And the flesh on our arms is softer and starts lower. That's another one I noticed. But also the inner knee pads are very, very noticeable. And our pouch, whether it's chocolate or, you know, tortilla chips or whatever it is, we have that little pouch going on. 
And all of those things can be dealt with. They all can. So we're talking about making adjustments on patterns for a changing body. And I think from what you've said, the key thing is that when you put the balance lines for the grain and the cross grain, and you're looking at the muslin, when those lines are not in alignment, that's where you should be looking at making that adjustment. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. And the other thing is I don't like to cut right on the line. Students ask me that often. I cut about a quarter of an inch above or below or next to so that I still have the line as my frame of reference. Mm, okay. That's a good point. It would be above or below or side to side so that the okay. line is still there. So then are there any other things that we should be doing on that muslin on the first go? And is it worthwhile doing more than two test runs? Pants sometimes take more than two test runs. But most skirts don't, dresses usually don't. They, they may if they have a sleeve, because getting the sleeve onto the dress is one thing. That's a fairly easy thing to do, or onto a jacket. But doing it in a way that doesn't inhibit movement is a whole nother, a whole nother situation. So I find sleeves are one of the most challenging things to fit. In fact, I remember a few years ago, I was asked to do a sleeve workshop, a, an hour and a half how to fit the sleeve. And I asked the woman, I said, I don't think anything's, nobody's going to sign up for that. Who wants to listen to that? And actually there were 80 people there. I was stunned. There were 80 people wanting to know how to fit the sleeve. So I think sleeves are also a great big problem. They're a challenge to mm -hmm. fit. A lot of people don't have enough cap height in the sleeve and cap height is easy to see. Cap width though is one that's not so visible. And that would be the distance across the sleeve cap from where it's sewn into the front armhole where it's sewn into the back. There has to be enough ease to be able to move. And it's good that you've mentioned it because what you're doing is you're demystifying what I've always been taught where you put the gathers or the ease at the top of the sleeve, but actually you need to have the ease at the front and the back because that gives you your movement. You do have to have the ease, but you also have to have enough width so that you can comfortably move your arm without lifting the whole garment up. I've met people who have jackets and they don't close them because when they move their arm up, the whole jacket flies off to the side <laughs> because yeah. they don't have, the sleeve is inhibiting the movement mm. and the jacket can't stay tidy. So sleeves are a huge deal. They are. But you need to have that movement there. You need to have the ability to move. Don't want your movement inhibited, no. Do you have any tips that people should be following then? Some general rules? I would put a tape measure. I would start at the stitching line on the front armhole of your garment and the stitching line on the back armhole of your garment. Now, this is bare with a bare arm. Right. And have it a little bit loose. Don't have it right snug against the arm. Have some ease built in and see what that measurement is. And you'll be surprised. Usually, it's much more than the pattern. Usually there's much more cap width needed than provided by a pattern. Okay. So that's one I, I would definitely encourage people to do that. And cap height also. With your arm straight down to your side, put a piece of elastic as high up under the arm as you can around the arm so that it's parallel to the floor. And then measure up until you get to the hinge where the shoulder is attached to the torso and see what that cap height is because not enough cap height also causes the sleeve to be very uncomfortable. 
Mm. Those two things. Okay. That's two good general rules to follow. Yes. Yeah. Is there a top five or a top three adjustments that you've seen for people whose bodies have been changing? Yes. The rounded upper back. Absolutely. The rounded upper back. And I would say for women after menopause, our rib cage tends to expand. We kind of lose our waistline. We become H-shaped people instead of the hourglass people we used to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another one where we just fight that. We fight that so much. We're so hesitant to want to expand the waistline of the garment. But you have to. So I would say the rounded upper back is huge. And also the rib cage area just becoming more cylindrical. Mm -hmm. And the other problem, it goes along with the rounded upper back, the shoulders start rotating forward. That is another huge fitting challenge, having the shoulders rotated forward. So I would say those three things are, you know, a lot of fitting is postural. It's poor posture. And most of us, um, yes. I saw just now, I saw you sit up straighter. I did too. But anyway, and if you look at people, if you look at older people, a lot of them, you can see them, they're kind of leaning forward while they're walking. And you can fit that posture, but it's kind of not a good idea because it only encourages the posture to remain bad. But anyway, the top three were what I just suggested, the uh, rounded upper back and the cylindrical torso and the forward rotated shoulders. Yes. And another one, we get kind of a hollow, we get a bony neck, protruding neck bones. We get that. And that's another one that's, that's a little bit tricky. There's a sticking point there. That's one that's hard to work with. What I've noticed personally is when I look at photos that I've taken with people in a group, I always stand forward because I feel like I'm wanting to hug them. And so that's why I've noticed personally that um, my posture is going forward. So when I go to the gym, if I'm doing weights, I always work on trying to keep my posture straight. Oh, I try so hard. And then I sit in front of the computer and I get so engrossed in my work, I forget, I forget all <laughs> about my posture. But yes, it's important. It's so important to maintain that. It is. And then to use fitting for the things you can't fix <laughs> with, with better posture. Yeah, this is true. So I'm just thinking back to some patterns that I use for the winter. The size of those patterns are different to the ones that I use for the summer. The size is different? Why? Because I tend to fight my weight coming on in the winter and I work really hard to lose it for the summer. Oh, okay. All right. Just a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know where the excess weight always goes to, so I always have that full derriere adjustment happening. Right. <laughs> where people can find out more if they're interested. About fitting? Yeah. Well, there are some good books out there about fitting. And also, I will be teaching an online class. I, it's brand new and I don't know when it will be, but I will be teaching fitting classes via Zoom. So I guess stay tuned. Within the next year, I'll be starting to do those classes. Oh, that's really good. It's really hard to find. I mean, when we're able to go to workshops, yes, we can go to workshops, but right now, I think our option is going to solely be around doing online workshops. So that's going to be a really good one to keep an eye out for. Yes, I think, I think it will too. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yes. Great. Linda, thank you so much for coming on to Sew Organised Style podcast for Sew Over 50. You know, having the opportunity to hear from you 
the steps to go through when it comes to making pattern adjustments for a changing body. It'll help our listeners look at how they can go about doing this in a way that's going to help them in the long term having patterns that really fit them well. And then they'll make those patterns over and over and over. <laughs> they'll be those tried and tested ones yes. that will always work. Yes, yes. And I've really enjoyed being with you today. I've really enjoyed it. Anytime I can talk about fit, I'm happy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Linda. It's just, sorry, I, I feel very grateful that you've given us your time today. You know, you're one of the fit experts that people know about. And I'm really pleased that you've walked us through some of the basics, which is going to be so helpful in the future. Well, I hope everybody follows it. I really do hope people, a few people follow that and end up with something they're very happy with. Yes. Today's episode of Sew Organized Style Podcast for Sew Over 50 was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Linda Maynard, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organized Style Podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Libsyn, our podcast distributor. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.